0: Let us pray. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. 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 I was just going to say, please be seated. I I, uh, am really thankful that I was raised an Anglo-Catholic, and I know right now that I actually don't have to say another word. Your rector will not listen to anything else I just said. He'll be (laughs) just very happy with that one statement. Um, But but I was raised in a parish which is, you know, still the place of my birth and my home, and it was, it is an Anglo-Catholic, a progressive Anglo-Catholic church. And I'm thankful for that, because um, in my growing up years, I learned to be comfortable with mystery. And I learned to be comfortable with the mystical. And I learned about the sacramental interplay of the inner life and the outer life. And I'm so grateful for that, because it's very much a part of who I am. And I'm thankful that in this church, Uh, It was not an Anglo-Catholic church that stayed inwardly focused, but had the interplay with the world and the community around it. And we took it as a badge of courage when we were in trouble for serving the homeless or being inclusive of gays and lesbians, and eventually of women in the full orders of ministry, although that one took a while. Um, And it was kind of funny, when I went to the Lambeth Conference, they printed an article I wrote in their newsletter and then they put my kindergarten picture next to it. <laughs> and I, I thought that was actually a very funny thing because obviously, when I was in kindergarten, there were no women in the sanctuary, but now here was one of theirs at the Lambeth Conference. So that was fun. But I'm really grateful uh, for having that just be part of who I am in my life. Um, I love this season of Easter that now is finished. It's some of the most important scriptures. Uh, for me personally are read as the Gospels um, on these Sundays. And just to, to refresh our memories of recent weeks, we've heard about good shepherds taking care of sheep. And if we know the fullness of that story, being called each one by name and that close connection that Jesus wants to say in that story that we have with God. We have heard about how the Son and the Father abide and are one, and how we abide in the Son, and the Son abides in us, and we are one, just as the Father and the Son are one. You know, when you think about that, that means that God the Father loves you like he loves Jesus. We have heard about that closeness of relationship being like a branch that abides in the vine. It's that connected <coughs> And that's beautiful stuff. And uh, it's unseen, but when we are okay with mystery and mysticism, we can actually get in touch with that within our own inner lives. And it's very nourishing. It is very intimate, all of these scriptures that we hear in this Easter season. And and it might be that we're sort of uh, tempted to stay in this place, Uh, And and today is the reality check, because we've also had the ascension, you know, where Jesus gets to go and be reunited in this mystical, physical union in heaven, and it's time for that to occur. The reality for us is, though, that that we don't get to skip out on the world. You know, Jesus certainly didn't do that uh, in his earthly ministry, but it was time for him to return to heaven. And I was pondering that this week, I thought, what is it like? when in fact we would like to stay in that cozy, intimate space of our abiding relationship with Jesus, uh, and just kind of forget the world. And suddenly to my mind, I remembered the Heaven's Gate cult. Do you remember the Heaven's Gate cult back in 1997, and they had lived in this mansion in Rancho Mirage, and they had separated themselves from the world, and they decided it was time to go home. And they were going to catch a ride on the <laughs> hale Comet. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> See, and that, that was about a group of people who said, the world is doomed, and we need to get out of here. We need to get out of here. And they wanted to stay, really, in their own created theology that was just in them. And they didn't want to be challenged or corrected or connected to the world. And that's not Christianity. <laughs> See, Christianity, certainly at its center, has this relationship with Jesus that is intimate and abiding and just beautiful and mystical and lovely. Uh, but the Spirit, our advocate, our truth- teller, uh, must come, must come. And Jesus says in this reading we heard this morning, "You know I have testified, and now you need to testify too. <laughs> Uh, You need to tell this story, too. And uh, you need to engage with the world. And uh, when the Spirit takes us out into the world, the Spirit is teaching us and getting us to have that sacramental interplay between the inner life and the outer life. And uh, that is so formational to that cozy indwelling that we have go on. And it is all about... Well, I don't know all about, but it's about (laughs) preventing us from isolating ourselves off and having some kind of self-stylized spirituality or theology that is not inclusive of the rest of the world. And so uh, when we struggle with the spirit, that's about the spirit leading us into truth. And there's some great language in there. Directed, of course, to the people who don't believe in Jesus about sin and so on, but I think we ought to take that to heart, see, because the Spirit can correct our thinking uh, and precisely uses the context we live in in the world to make those corrections. Uh, Some of you will know this story, and my poor deacon Robert's heard it a few times, but it's a powerful story, so I don't know how many more sermons it will appear in, but uh, it's online and some writings um, as well. But uh, as you may know, we have a triad companion relationship now with the Diocese of Gloucester in England and the Diocese of Western Tanganyika in Tanzania. And this triad relationship came about as a result of the Lambeth Conference. And now certainly I would say it was about the Holy Spirit drawing us together and some chance encounters that were quite (coughs) remarkable. And in March, a team from here, I took two people with me, And Bishop Michael of Gloucester took four people with him, and we all went to uh, the west side of Tanzania to visit our new partner diocese and to get to know them. And uh, Gerard is the bishop in western Tanganyika. There's stuff online you can can look at there, and I'm sure there'll be other opportunities for me to talk about that, but I want to share this one story uh, because I do think it illustrates the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is that one day we were driving down the road, all the roads are dirt roads, require four-wheel drive, and we were bouncing along and I was sitting in the front seat and Gerard was behind me, we had a car full of people. And we had to stop the car because Gerard needed to fix his window, his window wouldn't roll up. And so um, we stopped the car and as Gerard was working with his window, out of the bush ran a little boy and he came right up to my window and he was waving sugarcane. The very poorest of children there sell sugarcane to get money for school supplies uh, so they can go to school. And I looked at him, and I just gasped. He was the most horrifying thing I'd ever seen. Uh, his face, he had a big gash on his face, which was infected and uh, open sores, and his eyes looked like they were bleeding. And as I gasped, Gerard behind me looked up and saw him, and he gasped, and probably in response to me, said to our driver, "Pull forward, pull forward." So we pulled forward, and Gerard was fixing his window, and I could see in the mirror that the boy was chasing our car. And then we drove away. And I sat under my hat and behind my glasses, and I. I thought, well, I'll be a stereo- stereotypically female bishop here with two bishops who've really not spent any time with women bishops since there's so few of us in the world, but, uh, and I will cry. <laughs> um, and, I, and I did. And then I said to Gerard, is there anything we could have done for that child You know, just to perhaps just really relieve my own uh, human failing in that moment? And uh, we talked about how he probably had AIDS and that there really wasn't. I mean, if that was true, he was going to die. And there was nowhere to go You know, you've taken a bleeding child in the car um, is one thing. And then where do you go? Where do you go? But that little boy haunted me um, for weeks. I shared about it at the Renewal of Vows with the clergy and in my Good Friday sermon. And uh, I prayed to God, you know, could I know his name? You know each one by name. (laughs) Could I I know his name? See, there wasn't anything I could know because I'd had this three-second encounter. But that child changed my life. And Gerard read my sermon, my Good Friday sermon, and he was so moved. We were all moved that day, but then when he read the sermon, he said, I'm going to go find that boy. And I thought, you're never going to find that kid. (laughs) How can you find that kid? He just came running out of the bush. Who knows where he is, you know? But he sent his canon, Mathayo, and uh, Mathayo found him. And his name is Siddiqui, and it means uh, trust and believe in Swahili. And it means friend in Arabic. And uh, he doesn't have AIDS, he has epilepsy. And in a seizure he had fallen into the fire. And you can go online and see pictures now of him. And so what we've done actually is to make him our partnership kid and the three bishops. And I I have sort of invited people into this, but actually I think it's our responsibility um, to pay for his health care. Uh, And then we'll look at school for him for next year. He's one of eight children. None in his family, including his parents, have ever been to school. And last week I got an email with photos And uh, on the way to the hospital. And we actually visited the hospital where they took him, which is hours from where he lives. But his father said to Bishop Gerard, I can't believe that I'm sitting here in your house. (laughs) Because for him it's an incredible honor, of course. Uh, And that my son is going to get help. And, and in that story for me personally there was a real correction of the Holy Spirit you see because I could have I could have continued to rationalize the fact that there was nothing to do and life was still good and cozy with Jesus on the inside you see? but it was the Spirit who kept throwing words into my brain like uh, did you seek and serve Christ in all persons in that encounter did you respect the dignity of every human being you know you can run through that baptismal covenant pretty much on every front we didn't do it and and that's an important thing see for me as a Christian to have been corrected by the reality of the world and by the truth-telling of the Holy Spirit and to be given a second chance at getting it right what a gift you see, to be given a shot at that righteousness and we destroy that word <laughs> but that that ability to just get it right again what a gift. And the Holy Spirit has been present all the way through this triad. You know, there are no real mistakes, but it is what we do with them. You know, the chances of life, these tiny little encounters. So today we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who draws us out, and the Holy Spirit which connects and has and facilitates the interplay of the inner life and the outer life. May we go forth this day paying attention to the truth-telling of the Spirit. And even when we really mess it up, might we have the courage to pay attention and take our second chance. Amen. Amen.